Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Joshua chapter 24 again is where I'm turning your attention today. A big thank you to all of those who have worked hard inside and outside. And uh, I know it's a little different. Somebody asked about the, the stained glass. The stained glass is not missing. Maybe tonight we'll give, a, we'll give you a demonstration. That thing right there, somebody came and worked, donated. To, I, I tell you what, we couldn't do it without the donating of time and finances and money and the giving and the people. I'm astounded by the, what people are just giving to the church and you love the church. But Brother King, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but there's like a little switch. You just touch a little switch in a couple different places and that thing just goes. And the stained glass is there. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Joshua 24, I'm going to read verses 14 and 15, very familiar. Thank you for all the uh, feedback we've received from our first night and Wednesday talking about the family, the apostolic family and what that means. Uh, we had some fun. Some of it was humorous. Had one guy say, wow, you were really honest. <laughs> it's real life. I had a precious elder, sweet lady came to me, been married for many years, going on golden, if not already there, and said, that's real life. That's what we, we need to talk about real life. <laughs> and so we're kind of working with our families throughout this month. Now, if you're here and you're single, I think you've got the feeling and understood very clearly from me, just because you're not married does not mean you're not part of a family. You're part of a family already biologically, but you're also a part of a family by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. You're a part of this family as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, and I'll let you be seated here, okay? Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Aren't those good words? In sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, seems shocking to me that that even had to be said or written. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day. Don't you like that call to action he gave them? Make your mind up. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Here it is. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will, we will, we will, we will serve 
the Lord. Clap your hands unto the Lord, everybody in the room. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. We give him praise. Come on, that's right. We give him praise in the house of the Lord. Now, before you're seated, would you throw your hands towards heaven and would you pray that it would permeate across this house that every person might make that decision? Let us serve the Lord. Let me serve the Lord. Let my spouse serve the Lord. Let our children serve the Lord. Wherever you fall in the context of a family unit, would you pray to that end? Lord, help us. We want to make a declaration that we can and will follow. We will serve the Lord. <clears throat> Turn to two or three people and tell them you got to make your mind up and you may be seated. Here we are in this uh, <clears throat> final, final chapter of the book of Joshua. We're coming to the final moments of his life. The children of Israel have finally possessed the promised land. It's one thing to walk in. It's another thing to possess. <laughs> it's one thing to have something. It's another thing to own it. And they've walked in. They've taken possession of the promised land. What generations previously had hoped for. They've divided. They've allotted the land to the 12 tribes. They have come to a place where Joshua calls the elders and the leaders together and he gives them final instructions, critical instructions. Then he calls the tribes together. Everybody say all the families. He calls the families together. They renew their commitment to the covenant because just having a crowd without having a covenant doesn't really mean much. We're not powerful as a church because we have a crowd. We're powerful because we have a covenant. Amen. It was a commitment to that covenant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He reminded them how God had called Moses and Aaron to lead them out of bondage. I was talking to a group of students the other day and we were kind of addressing the annoyance of how reading the Old Testament can be watching the Children of Israel, they're up and down and they're living for God. As soon as they hit a snag, it seems like they're dreaming about Egypt again. You ever felt that way when you read your bread chart, read the Old Testament? It's like children of Israel were playing hokey pokey. He had kept them in the wilderness and Joshua wanted them to be reminded. Not only did he keep you in the wilderness... You know, we could preach all day about just being kept in the wilderness. Everybody here, you're only here because at some point he kept you in a wilderness. Let me just, let, let's just bear witness. How many of you remember a time in your life that felt like a wilderness? I'm not talking about you went camping or glamping or any of that. I'm, this is not for you to... No, I'm talking about you were in a season of life that felt like the wilderness, but he kept you. And here you are on a Sunday morning in October. Glory to God. He kept us. Not only did he keep them in the wilderness, but he delivered the promised land into their hands. And what had been the promise? You're going to get cities you didn't build. 
You didn't, you didn't build them up, but you're going to get them. You're going to get fruit of the land that you did not plant. Can I tell you I'm okay with, I'm on pause. Brother Ross, I'm okay with those kind of blessings. I'm okay if God wants to look at us and say, I'm going to go ahead and give you cities that you didn't construct. I'm going to give you fruit that you never planted. I'm not against doing the hard work, but sometimes hard work is reaping. How many know our generation right now is poised to reap what previous generations sowed on our behalf anyway? We preached about it a little bit last Sunday night. And so that's where Joshua has them in this place where they are reminding what has happened. And in verse 15 of Joshua 24, he is giving them, uh, uh, he's giving them basically an alternative. He's saying, make a decision. How many in the room know that you have a hard time making a decision? <laughs> Not even over hard things, basic things. I've got friends who if they're going to a restaurant, they have to show their spouse a menu the day before. Some of you are a nightmare in a restaurant and you know it. I, you always, well, I don't want to pick on anybody, but you know who you are. And you're the special order person too. Now I know it says, oh, You ever eat with a meal with someone who describes something so different? Could I make a couple of changes? Mm. And by the time they get done, it's an entirely new entree. And then they'll say something like this, but that's all. <laughs> How many of you know you struggle with decisions? If you got to, if you, buying just even a new pair of shoes... Wave at me if you'll be honest. And if your spouse ain't telling the truth, wave for them. Decisions hard to make. Hard to decide. How am I supposed to decide which kind of ice cream? How am I supposed to decide which kind of cereal? How am I supposed to decide which pair of shoes? How am I supposed to decide what house? How, how am I supposed to make a decision? Just pick. And if you're a person that has a very little or short attention span, you're the person that's just biting your knuckles like anything. Just pick anything. Get it both. Some of you are the easily frustrated kind. You're ready to get both pairs. Get both pairs. You know you're going to bring one of them back anyway. <laughs> Joshua said, hey, make a choice. Brother Marshall, he said, make a decision. Because I'm, don't you kind of catch his tone? You got to catch his tone when you're, he, it, it's almost like he said, I'm sick to death of this up and down. You weren't happy in the wilderness. You weren't happy with manna. How do you get bitter when you wake up and food's just there? But you weren't happy. Got Moses exiled, the whole hitting the rock thing. Bunch of grumpy people. Make a decision. If it seems evil to you. Oh, that line really gets me, Brother Losh. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. 
That's on you. But make a decision. Now I'm going to talk to every person individually, okay? I'm going to talk to moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, young people, young adults, everybody. As a family, I want you to make a decision to serve the Lord. But I'm going to tell you how that gets easier. Is if you as an individual make a decision. Brother Anderson, you've got to decide. God forbid your wife wouldn't want to. God forbid your children wouldn't want to. You've got to decide. You've got to make up your mind as for me. Brother Robeson, if nobody else wants to, you've got to decide. Brother Staten, if nobody else, you've got to decide. You hear what I'm saying? Sister Pickering, if your husband didn't want to or your kids didn't want to, if everybody around you said no, you've got to decide. Now I'm going to preach about the family, but I'm going to start it on the reality that we've got to make up our mind for ourselves. Brother Henderson, we're going to serve the Lord. In the family dynamic, if you want it to be a powerful us, then you need to let it be a powerful I. The power I formation starts in your family. You saying, I know that maybe they're going to waver. I know that maybe friends are going to turn. I know that this might not be popular. But as for me... And my house. My goal is that my house comes with me. My goal is that my house comes. But you notice my house comes after me. Because even at times when they get old enough, I can't control them. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My God, I feel something right now. You might get to a place you can't control them, but you can control yourself. You can control whether you pray. You can control whether or not you love the word. You can control whether or not you're faithful to the house of God. You can, you can, you can, you can. Somebody say, ask for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ask for me. Ask for me. And so I can't use other people to be the excuse when I don't want to. And I know excuse people. Hey, we miss you guys. Well, you know how she is. If you got to start by telling me how she is, I know how you are. This is glass. I can't hide real good, but I just get back. You cannot live for God based on their allowance. You either love God or you don't. I said you either love God or you don't. Yeah, well, I was hurt in this or I, I went through this or I, I dealt with that or I, I got mad about. Get over it and get on with it. You got to live for God and you got to be saved. Man, I feel something right there right now. I'm talking to everybody that'll hear me, that'll square their shoulders and say, I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna live for God whether anybody else wants to or not. I want my wife to live for God or I want my husband to live for God. I want my children to live for God. But if they don't want to, I'm still gonna get a dance in my step. I'm still gonna be faithful to the house of the Lord. I'm not living for God because they're good. I'm living for God because He is good. 
He is good. His mercy endureth. His mercy. Somebody say His mercy. His mercy endures. I'm not living, I'm not living for God because He's good. That's why it's troubling to me when people get frustrated at people and try to take it out on God by either not coming to church. I'm not coming. Oh, so it's God's fault. Come on, I know it's good. It's not God's fault. You know why they acted like an idiot? They're human. And you might not want to admit it, but you're not much better right now. You're letting them handcuff you. You're letting them lock you up. Moms and dads, you hear me right now. Your kids get an age, they, they decide on their, all of a sudden they don't want to live for God. You live for God anyway. Don't you compromise who you are. Don't you compromise what you believe. Don't you compromise how you live. Don't you decide. Listen to me. Hear me. Don't decide just because they turned 18 that now so that you can try to win their emotions, you'll allow things that you never allowed in your whole life in your house. Well, I'm scared of where they'll go. Well, I'm scared of where they'll go too, but I'm scared of where you might go if you... If it was wrong, it is wrong. Can I... I want a blanket statement and then I'll move on. You can't mature into sin. I can watch it because I'm older. No, no, you can't. Well, yeah, but I'm married and so... All right. It's like nervous laughter. Like, ah, ah, ah. You ever heard nervous, nervous amens? You just heard them. Hey, hey, amen. From the very beginning of time, God chose family to be the medium with which he would fulfill his mission. Not angelic armies. Not heavenly hosts. He designed a man and then pulled a woman out of her. Put him to sleep, took a rib. Formed them out of the, I believe in creation. He formed them, put them together in a perfect union. There was a multiplication that was set in process. But we can't get past the first set of siblings before there's a death. You getting mad at your brother is not new. Well, church shouldn't be like this. The first pair of brothers. I ain't having it. You're going to get mad. Oh, pastor. You're going to get mad. Come on. I'm hoping everybody in here will be honest enough to raise your hand. Anybody in here who's ever got agitated at somebody in your family, raise your hand. I just want to see who's safe. Just keep your hands. Let me take it one step further. <laughs> Since I'm the one with the microphone. Anybody who's ever got agitated with somebody in the church, raise your hand. Some of y'all went up fast. I didn't even get the whole sentence. Some people. And I got a meeting schedule. 
no, no. <laughs> Paint those walls black. I'm going to talk to you. Come on, raise those hands again. Agitated to somebody in the church. Oh, I know we're not supposed to talk about it. Go ahead. Just lift your hand real, real proud. Come on, this is one time publicly you can just be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to kill him. I just... Can I tell you something? You can be angry and sin not. We don't talk about it. You're allowed to your opinion. Joshua's dealing with them here. Listen, you get an opinion. You just don't get to let your opinion turn you into a crazy person. You don't, get, you don't get to let your opinion turn you into a crazy person where you can't decide whether you're going to live for God or live for... He had to come out. If anybody is strong, I'm telling you, Joshua is strong, Brother Romine. He looks at all the tribes and says, decide who you're serving. Oh, the audacity. The audacity. To look at all those tribes, Brother Sleva, and get them eyeball to eyeball and say, make up your mind. What? What? You know what he said? The indifference is killing you. The indecision is killing you. You got to decide who you're serving. But I love that he did not just leave them with that statement. He went on and made a bold proclamation. We watched something about his leadership in the front of all of these families. He said, he didn't even give anybody a chance to start answering. Brother Gallion, he didn't give anybody a chance to speak back. He let them know. But as for me, Because there's a lot of people who wait to decide how they're going to live based on how someone else does. If you live the way you live based on the opinions of other people and not based on the opinions of God, then you are, off so, you are out of sorts anyhow. But if you can make a bold proclamation, whether anybody else at my job lives like this, ask for me in my house. With, listen, there's some grown adults I'm talking to right now. There's nobody else in your family. Your siblings don't live for God. Your parents don't even live for God. But you're here every single service that you can be. You're faithful to the things of the Lord. You read your Bible. You do devotion. You pray. You're seeking the face of God. Can I commend you right now and tell you that I applaud you along with heaven? for making up your mind whether anybody else is going to do it or not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I say this? That is a choice worth making. Because it is not just now on the line. It is the souls of your it is the souls of your children on the line. And I would even venture to say it might be the souls of your children's children on the line. The generations that follow. Here we are thousands of years removed and we still gather in a church and I'm saying thank God that Joshua stood up in front of everybody and said let your family do whatever it wants to do. But as for my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to be faithful to the things of God. We're going to worship. You do what you want, but as for us, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I know that people are going to talk about us, but I need you to know that we're going to serve God. 
And serving God will cause you to make great decisions. But it was about the family. Starting with Adam and Eve, the seed and the woman that helped bringing the, ultimately the redemption process into the world. It was Jesus who would be born of a woman, of a virgin, into a family. The gospel writer Luke shows the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Matthew chapter 1, when you look at his gospel, shows us a little bit different. Here's a good homework. Go ahead and go to Matthew if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 1. Starts the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It begins down through it. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, working on down through Perez and Zerah and Tamar. And Perez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. You travel on down. Look at verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14, and from carrying away in Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Matthew begins with Abraham. It begins with Abraham about whom God said, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to make your name to be great. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through your family. That's what he told Abraham. Through your family, every family will be blessed. You stay faithful, Abraham. You stay faithful, Abraham. You follow. You, you be a patriarch. It was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who then would become Israel and 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of which we have already spoken today. God's motivation becomes obvious when you consider the institution of marriage. When he, listen, he cares about the family. He cares about the family. Whether you're married or not, he cares about the family. You say, well, I'm not, I've heard people say, I don't really have a family. Unless, I don't think you just appeared one day. Contrary to what somebody told you, a stork did not deliver you. You do have a family. And we got people in this we got people in this room right now, and I want to reiterate this. You don't have a mother anymore. You don't have a father. Maybe you were adopted and you never even had any connection, or maybe you, had, you, you, you grew up through the system and you never knew anybody. When you walked in this place, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in His sight, regardless of what side of the tracks you come on or if you don't even know there are tracks close to you. I don't care how much money you have. It doesn't matter whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. It doesn't matter. You belong in this family. You belong in this family. Come on, somebody shout amen. You belong in this family. <clears throat> God's motivation is obvious there. There are, there are purposes and there are ways of protecting the family. Think about the Ten Commandments that were given in the Old Testament and the ways that they are centered around the family. If you're going to labor for six days, you're going to be providing for your family. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keeping the Sabbath holy is not you keeping the Sabbath alone. It is you keeping the Sabbath with your family. 
Oh, I don't have time. I'd like to go on a rant there. Honor your father and your mother. That is still critical, ladies and gentlemen. I want to talk to some midlifers right now who are feeling the weight of this. You're not going to get these days back. So if you're thinking about a fishing trip, do it now. You're not. Dad's not going to be able to drop a line much longer. Come on. I was so busy, I was so busy, I was so busy. You know how many caskets I've stood around where people told me I was too busy and missed good time? Well, that's just a little extra. How about this one in the commandments? Don't commit adultery. It's a novel idea. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't mess with your neighbor's stuff. And quit looking across the yard and thinking if the, that the grass is so much greener on the other side. Be happy with what you've got. I know that's not KJV, but it's ish. Be happy with what you've got. I know he just got a new car, but be happy with your car. I know she... How far do I go with this? Quit looking. I remember being younger. I don't remember who. It might have been O.C. Marler or somebody like that. I can't remember. Somebody said something to the effect, if the grass is greener on the other side, there's probably a higher water bill. <laughs> Sound like him, don't it? Listen, it's going to cost you. But if you're not careful, doing all of your living based on weighing it against what they're doing, that's costing you too. It's costing your wife to show that, that, you, that she doesn't bring you true joy. Come on. If you can climb the corporate ladder but can't spend time with your kids. We got to guard our families. Isn't it obvious why our adversary, the devil, is so focused on assaulting the family? What's he want to do? He wants to steal. Church is the only place you can say those words and it not be odd. Like the crowd finishes. Steal. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to do that to your family. He wants to do that to your family. Brother Ross, he wants to do that. I know that's hard to process before lunch, but that's what he wants to do to your family. Do you know that the modern family has been replaced? It's not the family it used to. How many know that today's picture of the American family is not yesteryear's picture of the American family? If you'd agree with that just a little bit, just maybe wave even a pinky at me or something. Just. How many grew up in a home where, it, where you sat around the table every night? Look at all the hands. I'm not even going to ask the next one. But we have traded in the family table for the table of convenience. We've turned home-cooked meals into TV dinners. <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at anybody's cooking. Some of you know you're a terrible cook. We applaud you for that. It's the ones that don't know. <laughs> Everybody keep your face forward right now. Don't look, don't look at anybody. 
Don't make eye contact, not even out of the side. This used to be a priority. You worked your entire schedule around sitting down with the family. It was at the, it was at the table. It was our representation from Scripture. It was at the table that he broke bread with the disciples. Track it through Acts chapter 2. As soon as the Holy Ghost is finished being poured out, what do they start doing when they're added to the church daily? They went house to house. They sat down at the tables and they broke breads. It's important for you to know, and I understand that we get cultured, but long before there were pulpits, there were tables. The first and greatest preaching was done here. Around tables. My, my, my. Where people looked each other in the eye. You know that parents and teenagers used to have conversations with each other? Do you know that? We used to actually feel entitled to ask them what was going on in their life. Before hell tried to pervert our thinking as if we as parents should feel bad about getting in their business. Teenagers, you got to like just pretend you like it for a second, okay? Just Hell don't get to tell you. This world don't get to tell you how to be a family. But we have cashed in family time for friend time. For many of us, the only table we ever socialize with is friends from work or friends from church. Or friends at the golf club. Go to the mall and sit down at the food court. I'll meet you at McDonald's. <laughs> We've turned hour long family meals into 10 minutes of sitting together, where even when it is with our family, three quarters of the family's on a cell phone. Man, he seems kind of aggravated. I don't know. Is he mad? I'm mad at hell. I'm mad at hell. How many know you don't get pot roast in five minutes? Remember walking in the house and the whole house. What is that smell? You ever walk in the house and you didn't know how hungry you were till you walk in the house? I walked in the other day, my wife had something in the crock pot, which those are from heaven. <laughs> yeah, it does the work all day while you're gone. You just know mar marinating in there. I walked in, a, I tease with my friend, Brother Justin Ranking, we, we like to talk about food. How many, just be honest with me, food makes you happy. Look at you. See, you don't have to be embarrassed. Look how many hands. 500 hands just went up. You're in good company. Don't feel weird about it. Don't go too far. But Brother Ranking and I tease about it because someone starts talking about food or something we like. There's like this little kid inside that just gets excited. How many of you know, how many know you can get in a better mood just thinking about a good meal? 
Some of you are like, I'm thinking about a meal right now if you'd wrap this up. <laughs> you don't get pot roast overnight. I don't care how much frozen hungry man or lean cuisine. Stick that in the microwave. And it's always wonderful because you have one place that is boiling lava hot. And then the other corner is frigid, absolute ice cold. And you got to take them and mix them. If I can tell you the average American family is the difference between old-fashioned pot roast and microwave dinner. We used to have family time because stuff that was, uh, how far, it's okay, I'm going to say it. We used to not revolve family time around our shows. Not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the American public. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't even do that. And, and if you don't, God bless you, but can I tell you, you're an anomaly. If sitting around the table is something you do on a weekly basis, then you're an anomaly in our American culture. Supposed to be, it was birthed to us, it was brought to us from the early church that we would gather around the table and we would break bread and we would be in common union. Communion. We would be in common union with each other. Do you realize that before they came into communion with Christ, they were, they were expected to be in communion with each other? Their seat at the table brought that. And then as the church began to move forward, it was based and revolved around the family. The family table is critical. The family table is where you get revelation. You say, well, I'm a divorced, uh, I'm a divorced individual and, and the kids live with me and it's just me and us. Listen, if it's one of you, if it's two of you, if it's three of you, we cannot do of our, all of our living today based on what happened in the past. You can set some new standards. But can I tell you that, I, I don't even have one on me, but can I tell you that when you sit around a table like this and everybody at the table has a cell phone in their hand, that's destructive living. And it is annoying, whoever said that. But it's destructive living. Next time you get to go to a restaurant, watch two people having a meal and see if they're both on their, rest, on their phone. I'm insulted at the thought that we have to live that way. We're better than that. We're better than that. I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, why are you so hard on cell phone? Keep your cell phone. Use your cell phone. Have your email on your cell phone if you need to. That's fine. Do all your stuff. But when it comes time to physical interaction with your family, slide it. Slide it to the side. Slide it to the side. Is that all right? It's true either way. Yeah, but what if there's an emergency? I've heard that. What if there's an emergency? If you don't pay attention to them, there's going to be one. You're about one more missed meal away from a counseling session. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Let me talk to our young adults and to our teenagers right now. Build real relationships. 
Real relationship. Hey, I know it's not real fun with a mask on, but when you're with people, this is crazy. I'm about to blow your mind. Talk. <gasps> you mean like human interaction? We are more fascinated with people that are not. Do you know that if the pe person you're texting right now was here at the table, here's how our minds have been fooled. If the person that you're texting that is so important that you cannot communicate with the people around, if, if they were here, you would be texting someone else. How many believe I'm a little close to right right now? Just, you just, like even if, it's the truth. So here's what I'm saying. I'm going to boil it all down for every person in the room, especially every parent group that will listen to me right now. Every mother, every father, and every set of grandparents that's helping with our family units as a whole. We must choose God. And if we choose God, then we must take a strong look at the way we're living our everyday life. If I choose God, Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Serve. One of the greatest ways you serve God is by the way you serve your family. It's really the truth. It's the way that you, cho you choose whether or not that you are going to serve God based on the way that you treat people. What did he say? How can you love him that you have not seen. I love my wife. She knows. How does she know? Because I said I do. My kids know I love them. How do they know? I buy them stuff. Well, that's, that's good. When's the last time you pulled them close? Hugged them tight. And told them. Some of you kids, I'm sorry, I'm setting you up for awkwardness. We took pictures yesterday, and one of the pictures they wanted to take, my, my oldest sons had to kiss my, my wife on both cheeks. And I know it for both of them, they're like, oh, this is going to be on picture forever. And I was sitting over there like, <laughs> I'm going to be pulling this out for years. But being kindly affection one to another, showing love. Say, hey, these are great words right here. I love you. Now to every young adult or every teenager in the room, they're not used to be misappropriated or improperly handled. You don't love everyone you date. Just because she's pretty, you don't love her. Oh no, I'm pretty sure I do. She's, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen her. Calm down. College students, calm down. I know she's the first one to ever text you back. Calm down. <laughs> I love you. That means something. Please hear me. That means something. I'm challenging us here right now. Married couples, I'm challenging us here right now. If at the end of every call, you simply say, yeah, I love you too. Do we think about it anymore? Do we think, Pastor, get off our case? I'm not. I'm not going to. Because I'm on mine too. 
And it's hard to stand on your own feet while you're talking to other people, but that's where I feel like I am right now. We got to evaluate this, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to guard the family. You say, Pastor, what, what are you trying to preach today? Are you saying I got to go home and we got to start having meals together every, every night now, five o'clock? I don't even get off work till 5.30. What, what are you trying to tell me we have to do? I'm saying make time. Make time for the relationships that do matter. If, you're, if, the, if the average dinner you have is with a TV tray while Hollywood plays into the living room, Somebody said, well, we're, we're really best when we're not talking to each other. <laughs> Probably need to investigate that. Probably need to talk that out a little bit. Teenagers, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to challenge you something. Our kids are not in here, but teenagers, I'm going to challenge you something that might be hard for you to process, but I want you to hear it. You're going to miss these days in your life. And I know it might feel awkward sometimes, but you're going to give anything to go back and be this age and sit at the dinner table with your parents. Because you're going to blink your eye and they're going to be old and gray. Can I get a witness in the house? You're going to wish you could go back and have some conversations. Listen, the conversations that might feel awkward at the time might save your life down the road. I'm going to help every parent in the room. I'm going to do my best to help you. When mom and dad said, how was school today? Don't say, fine. Give us more. Joel, I saw you throw your hands up. Give us more. Give us more. Give us more. Give me more. Fine. I don't want it to be fine, especially if I'm paying for it. <laughs> You're like the annoying person that texts at the end of that long text and just puts K. No, give me more than that. Conversation. I'm going to tie this up. I'm going to finish right here. Okay? Our prayer, a little bit, Brother Sleva, our prayer life is like pulling up a seat at the table of communion with God. And we tend to show ourselves how our relational connections are even when we pray. Many of us that have no depth in prayer, it bleeds over into our communication with other people. Brother Brown, we can't have substantial conversations. We can't have anything that's deep or meaningful. The only time that we ever get passionate is if we're talking politics and then no one wants to talk to us because we only want to. Don't make every conversation about your agenda. I'm about to sound so old-fashioned right now, but I feel mandate from God to tell you this. We need to get back to talking about the goodness of God at our tables. We need... We, we need... Thank you. I, I, I feel that. What would... Can I ask a question? What would be wrong with apostolics acting apostolic all the time? What would be wrong with our kids hearing us walk through the house speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? What would be wrong if, with us sitting down around the dinner table where we actually spend time, ask each other about each other's days? Where, now, you don't have to do this, but you might even join hands and pray. This guy's just crazy. No, I'm saying this matters. 
Because the agenda of the world is to take the opinions of yesterday's family and turn it upside down and treat it like it doesn't even matter. Having the gathering together doesn't matter. In fact, it doesn't even matter who's married. You don't even need to get married. It doesn't matter how you live. Parents, you treat your, you, you treat your kids however you want. And kids, you treat your parents however you want because everything is about what makes us happy. I'm not interested in what makes us happy. I'm interested in what makes us holy. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying right now? I don't want to fit in with the world. I don't want to be like the world. I want my family to live for God. I want us to talk about the goodness of God. I want us to relish in the goodness of God. I want us to worship the... Stand with me, I'm going to stop. That's why I don't want to leave church and turn on filth in the vehicle. Because while this table, this table, this physical one, it might be every now and then. This table's supposed to be all the time. The world is selling us this image is right. It is what you make it. Prop it up somewhere. Doesn't need to look nice. Doesn't need to be put together. No one, you know what this table is? The reason I had them throw this one up here, no cover, metal chairs around it, because this table represents there was no time to prepare. This table represents that it was an afterthought. And when time with family is an afterthought, Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I, I, I know I'm not screaming and shouting and running around. I'm not trying to get you worked in a lather. I'm trying to get somebody to think. Get those hard 12 inches from your mind to your heart to connect right now. That if I love them, I got to think about how I'm living. If I love them, I got to think about how I'm treating them. I've, I've got to take time and invest. As for me and my house, throw your hands towards heaven with me right now, would you? Come on, somebody really begin to pray with me right now. Really, really, really pray. Somebody begin to pray, I'm going to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will. When it's easy, I'm going to serve the Lord. But when it's hard, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve the Lord. I gather at the table of communion with you, O oh God, but let it be reflected in my, in my time with my family. God, use these words somehow right now in this visual illustration. Use it somehow to permeate in our hearts and our minds right now that we must be intentional with the way we treat our family, the way we treat other relationships in our life. Now, I believe in hard work. I believe in working hard. We've been married for 18 years, my wife and I. She can tell you I'm, I believe in hard work. But I've had to learn in the process of that time 
that your family deserves the best of your calendar, not the rest of your calendar. It's gotta be an intentional decision because there's a lot of people in this house that could bear witness to some valuable time they lost. My words to you are, you cannot continue to lament what you lost. You gotta pick it up from here. Some of you are living in bondage from years gone by and what you missed and what you didn't do and what, and I'm saying you gotta let that condemnation go. And you gotta decide right now, October 2020, what can I do? For some of you, you lost time with kids. For some of you, you lost time with spouse. Hear me. You've got to let that go. What can you do right here moving forward? What can you do from right now moving forward? I want parents and grandparents all over this place to hear me again. We need real conversations with our families. We cannot allow today's culture to make open Bibles in our homes feel awkward. We cannot, we cannot line up with this culture where we've got entire rows of DVDs and seasons of shows, but our kids can't find their Bibles. Come on, is this, I, I know it's too heavy. I, I'm, we've got to, as for me, as for me in my house. Oh, would you just throw your hands towards heaven one more time? Would you pray that prayer? Would you maybe make it as a declaration? As for me in my house. 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 Oh, come on, let prayer sweep through this place right now. Oh, let prayer sweep through this house. As for me, as for As for me and my house, we will. We will. Somebody needs you to just speak those words over and over. We will. 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 The church, was, the church was grown around tables. The church was grown around tables. We did a lot of teaching this last month or two months ago about Bible studies and teaching. And we're going to do some very practical stuff coming up in a couple of months during our Wednesday nights of the how-tos. But I have found this. It's hard to set with neighbors at a table that you will not even share with your family. 
It's such a foreign custom. We've got to get back to it. Praying in the home leads to staying in the home. How many remember the old line, a family that prays together stays together. We got to pray together. We got to be in His Word together. We got to have conversations with one another. We got to guard the family. My, my, my. I'm having a hard time as a pastor getting out of what I feel here this morning. I, 